0: later I was in my early 20s when I really became a romance reader I grew up knowing about romance because of my mom she was a teacher and every summer one of her co-workers would give her these huge bags of romance novels and I kept sneaking peeks at them you know I was probably like eight or nine ten years old and I kept looking at these romance novels and I was very intrigued by some of the things that I saw in the pages um But I didn't get into romance, like I said, until I was in my early 20s. I was reading a lot of literary and I guess what you could call upmarket fiction. And I was kind of a snob, I'll just admit. (laughs) And and, any time there was a love story in one of those books, and they usually ended tragically, I would just like glom onto that love story. And like my author bio says, I started reading romance when I realized I was looking for a love story in every book I read. And I just reached this point, like reading all of these sad books, where I just wanted fun love stories where people got a happily ever after. Mm-hmm.
1: If there was ever anyone who is my writing doppelganger, I think that it has to be Julie Hamilton. We both have similar ways of getting words on the page, we're kind of pantsers, not really plotters, we layer our steamy scenes when we write, and we both swear by Lisa Cron's method of deep character work. Even our day jobs are aligned. Fun fact, when I booked Julie for this episode, I thought, for some reason, she wrote sweet. So it was hilarious when I started reading the scene that she sent me. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. But before we get to the interview, just a quick note, I am going to be at Romanticon, which is an author signing event in Trumbull, Connecticut, happening on July 16th. If you are in the New England area or even New York City, it's a quick Metro North ride from Grand Central, I'd love to see you there. Details are on Eventbrite and you can search uh, hashtag Romanticon and that's with a double N on the socials. Now on to the interview. Julie Hamilton has been writing stories for as long as she can remember. She fell in love with romance novels during the summer between quitting her newspaper job and starting grad school when she realized she was looking for a love story in every book she read. She writes contemporary romance with heat and humor that features characters chasing after their dreams and finding happily ever after along the way. Originally from Pittsburgh, she now lives near Chicago. Welcome to Steam Scenes, Julie. It's so great to have you here.
0: Hi Elle, thank you for having
1: me on. This is so, okay, so I have a really funny like story to tell you. Okay. Um, So when I first got your email uh, about coming on the podcast and I was reading it and I was like, oh, this sounds really cool. And for some reason in my head, I had it that you wrote Sweet Romance.
0: Oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, so so I'm
1: reading your book, right, just for show. And I'm like, Mm, this is a little naughty for sweet. Like you were using <laughs> some language, you know, that was, that was like, you don't normally use. Like, yeah. I, or I, I would say you don't normally see in sweet romance. So I was like, Oh, this is a little daring. Look at her. And yeah. then I could be, And for some reason I, I, okay. So just to catch everybody up, we're talking about just for show, which is Julie's debut novel that just came out. Well, just as at the time of recording, from Karina Press and in my head I thought it was Tool Tool Press which only publishes sweet I don't know how I got all of this confused so I've got <laughs> her book I'm reading it and I'm like oh my god she said the D word in a sweet <laughs> word I think I came across cock and I was like, Oh, what? And I'm sort of going, I'm like, I don't know how this got past her editors. And so I got to your scene and I was like, Oh my God, what's going (laughs) on? I had to like go back and like, look at what you sent me. And I was like, Oh my God. So in my head, I am reading your book the whole time, basically like the whole time thinking it was a sweet romance.
0: That is really funny. You know, I've actually seen some reviews on Goodreads. And I know I'm not supposed to check Goodreads. But as a debut author, especially when the book is an arc, um, in case your readers don't, uh, your listeners, not your readers, don't know what that means. That's just an advanced copy. So your advanced readers, you kind of want to see, like, what are people saying? And there are actually some reviews on Goodreads that say I was surprised by how steamy this book is because the cover makes it look so sweet and cute. And I love my cover, but I can see how people might interpret it that way.
1: You know, honestly, I think that, I mean... Props to Goodreads. I, you know, I'm saying that through gritted teeth. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that might be right. I think it might be like the cover. Like, I think I just like read, like, read your information like so quickly and then looked at the cover and in my head went, that's a sweet romance. Right, right. Yeah. But it's not. It's not. Don't be fooled, guys. There's so much steam in this book, it's not even funny. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Which is why, like in all my promotions on Twitter and Instagram, a lot of my tweets will say plenty of steam, because I want people to know, you know, don't be misled by the cover, like this is a pretty hot book.
1: It no, it's a very hot book. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, it was definitely a pleasant surprise, but for a while there I was like oh my God, Julie Hamilton upending the sweet category. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is bold. This is bold. I can't wait to talk about this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so in your bio, you said you were a journalist. So tell me a little bit about that.
0: Yeah, so I've always wanted to be a writer. And so when it came time to think about what I wanted to major in in college, I was thinking, well, what majors would involve writing. And I'd always been into news. As a child, I used to read the newspaper. I'm talking like I was eight years old and I was the kid who was like, oh, dad, can you buy me a newspaper? And I would read it like cover to cover. So I was always like a news junkie and I love to write. So that's why I went into journalism. Unfortunately, I did not last very long in journalism. It's a really, really hard job. It I'm is. Um, I still love news. I still love news writing and I work in PR now and I do a little bit of brand journalism. I don't think I want to talk too much about my day job because I want to keep my author persona separate from like my day job persona, but I still get to do some writing as part of my work. Um, right. right. as a journalist, I worked in a small town. It was kind of an interesting experience and coming from Pittsburgh, which is a fairly big city. That was a little bit of culture shock for me yeah
1: Yeah. (laughs) oh wow you guys we we have very similar i actually i well i still do um lifestyle journalism um and i was doing pr for a long time for my day job i started out in journalism i've now pivoted back to journalism because of covid so it's sort of like interesting that we have like that sort of same those same experiences Mm -hmm. and that same background yeah that's pretty cool so you you have this journalism background, transition to PR, um, which is still pretty writing heavy. When did you decide, you know what, I think I want to write a novel? When did that come to you?
0: Well, I've always wanted to write a novel. Um, I think my bio says that I've been writing stories for as long as I can remember. I loved books as a kid. My mom was always reading to me. And there came a point, I think I was about five years old or so, I just got this urge to write my own stories. So I get these pieces of printer paper. My parents would staple them together for me. So they looked like a book and I draw pictures and I write my own stories. And then growing older as a teenager, I got into fan fiction. So Mm -hmm. I've always Mm -hmm. been writing stories. I never wrote a novel until about five or six years ago. I wrote my first manuscript. It will probably never see the light of day. It was a hockey (laughs) romance. Um, I just think the market was tough at the time for hockey romance. So I queried it, but it didn't really go anywhere. So just for show, it's actually the second novel that I've written.
1: Oh, cool. So wait, now, why are you saying you're never going to, it's never going to see the light of day? Are you just not happy with it now that you've written it? Yeah,
0: you can tell it's a first attempt at a novel, like comparing that book to just for show, I worked really hard on my craft between writing those two books and I can see a big difference in the quality. I think that hockey romance would just require a ton of editing to make it um, I don't know, something that I would feel comfortable publishing.
1: Fair enough. What were you what when you say you were working on craft in between the two books, what were you doing?
0: So I decided to Get some craft books, because my very first manuscript, The Hockey Romance, I struggled writing it because I pantsed my way through it. And Yay! it was extremely frustrating experience. Yeah. And I just knew that something about my process needed to change. So I got two books that really helped me a lot. One is Romancing the Beat by Gwen Hayes which I'm sure a lot of people have heard of. It's like a, a bible almost for romance writers at this point. And Story Genius by Lisa Cron, which I really love her. delve into like your characters' backstories, their goals, motivations, conflicts. And those two books really helped me make a huge change in how I wrote, the way I think about characters, the way I think about story.
1: I love Lisa Cron. I love mm-hmm. her. Um I've been taking I've actually she has a couple of classes That exist. I don't. I think on Create Live um, that I have that I watch over and over and over again because I find I'm terrible at plotting and I'm terrible at plotting out my books. Um, And and I plants a lot. Like I have an idea, but I'm just like I'm just gonna wing it. (laughs) um and so and and, yeah in terms of like being a pantser I think that she's really helped me a lot and I have like so much backstory about characters it's kind of insane like I've written like their whole life story before I even really start on the book itself (laughs) 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 which is cool um I'd love to know like in terms of like how what you know what changed now are you plotting more intricately or how how did that sort of change your approach
0: I don't think I'm ever going to be an intricate plotter. Just my brain does not work that way. But I think what changed for me is I was figuring out my characters before I started writing. My first manuscript, I mean, like I truly did pants this. I did not really think anything about my characters beyond, okay, he's a hockey player and she's a figure skater. I really wasn't thinking a whole lot about backstory or their motivations or their goals or anything like that. So I think thinking more critically about character and also thinking more critically about the beats of a romance and you kind of have those beats intrinsically in you if you're a long time romance reader, Right. but trying to put them into practice when you're actually writing a story, I think, can be difficult sometimes. So that's where I think romancing the beat comes in and is really helpful because as I'm writing, I can kind of check my story against that. Like okay, I'm doing what I need to do. I'm hitting all of the beats that I need to be hitting.
1: Okay, I'm absolutely going to get a copy of th- this book cuz I've heard of I've heard about it before but nobody's ever like really sold it to me, right? Like mm-hmm. like and said, "Okay, like you got to you got to read this uh, you know, this is the book. This is the right book." Um, were you, I mean, you were, uh, according to your bio, your bio, you read romance, but like, were you always a romance reader when you were a kid or did this come later?
0: Um, it came later. I was in my early twenties when I really became a romance reader. I grew up knowing about romance because of my mom she was a teacher and every summer one of her co-workers would give her these huge bags of romance novels and I kept sneaking peeks at them you know I was probably like eight or nine ten years old and I kept looking at these romance novels and I was very intrigued by some of the things that I saw in the pages um but I didn't get into romance, like I said, until I was in my early 20s. I was reading a lot of literary and I guess what you could call upmarket fiction. Right. And I was kind of a snob, I'll just admit it. <laughs> and, and, and anytime there was a love story in one of those books, and they usually ended tragically, I would just like glom onto that love story. And like my author bio says, I started reading romance when I realized I was looking for a love story in every book I read. Right, And I just reached this point, like reading all of these sad books where I just wanted fun love stories where people got a happily ever after. And romance is fun. It's hopeful, it's joyful. And at that time in my life, that is what I really, really needed. So that's kind of what drew me to romance.
1: So what was the first book? What was the gateway book?
0: The Gateway book was Bet Me by Jennifer Kruse.
1: Okay, tell me about it.
0: <laughs> have you ever read it? I
1: have not.
0: Oh, hell, oh, you have to read this book. So... Th- I will add the caveat that it was published, I think, in 2004, so there may be elements of it now that are kind of problematic, but it's just a really fun story. It has a curvy heroine, and she's at a bar with her friends, and she overhears this guy named Cal make a bet that and I'm going to probably screw up the plot because I haven't read the book in a long time, but he, she overhears him making some kind of bet that he can't get her into bed. And they kind of have some mutual friends and gradually they start seeing each other and hanging out and falling in love. And they eat a lot of really delicious food. And there's a lot of stuff about, um, Body positivity, although it is dated now, I think Jennifer Cruzy was going for something about body positivity with Min, who's the Kirby heroine. Okay. And it's just a really delightful, fun book, and I love it. And it was definitely the gateway where I was like, I need more books like this.
1: Oh, that's so cool! Yeah, I've never heard of that. I'm gonna go look that up when we're done because that sounds that sounds pretty cool. It's so funny though, reading older books. It's so
0: hard. It, it is weird
1: <laughs> to say 2004, an older book. I'm like, oh my god. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's like that's like ancient for romance. I will say I Jennifer Cruze was a really big inspiration to me. I love her banter. I love her dialogue. Um, if you want to study how a romance writer really hits all of those beats from Romancing the beat,
1: that's the book. Read
0: Bet me. Yeah.
1: yeah, okay. that's really, really good to note. I mean, do you okay, so here's a crazy question, and I don't know if I'm gonna like get this right, so forgive me. But do you have a favorite beat? When we're talking about beats, is there like a favorite? I'm sorry. I'm so putting you on the spot. (laughs) And I don't even really know what I'm asking here.
0: (laughs) You know what? I do have a copy of Romancing the Beat on the bookshelf that is near my desk. And I think what my favorite one is, is the falling in love beats. Really seeing those characters grow and come together and start to really like each other and you see okay these people are really truly falling in love and also i don't think this beat is in romancing the beat but kind of like the fun and games i think the fun and games beat is from save the cat but just yeah watching the characters have fun and enjoy each other that's always really fun for me to write and to read
1: Okay, I want to talk about that for a second because <laughs> I find I actually find I get stymied at the fun and games sort of really? section. Yeah, that feels to me like my messy middle. Hmm. And that's always kind of where like everything goes awry because all of a sudden I start adding plot point after plot point after (laughs) plot point that I then erase from the final, you know, like, it Mm -hmm. just sort of seems like I just, I just take, I don't know if I take the fun and games a little too seriously or not seriously enough. So it's really kind of interesting that that that's kind of your favorite to write.
0: Yeah. But I can also see how it might be difficult to write too. Um, to kind of come up with fun and games kind of stuff for your characters to do. But I think what it all comes back to is that it's really the part of the book where you're watching the characters grow closer and really fall in love with each other as they yeah. are just enjoying each other's company.
1: Yeah. I, along the same lines, and again, this this might throw you, I was kind of curious about this. Do you have a favorite trope?
0: fake dating. (laughs) So I mean, just just her show is a fake dating romance. Yes, Um, we should
1: mention that.
0: That's my favorite trope to read and to write. I just love it. I love the craziness of it. Like, we're just gonna fake date. Like that is not a thing that happens in real life. If, If it has happened in real life, I want to hear about it because that would be amazing. But You know, just this over the top plot of like, we're gonna fake date, like, just for show, they're fake dating to advance their careers. And it's just so much fun to see these people go from trying to keep the relationship fake to gradually developing feelings for each other, their attraction growing. I just love everything about it.
1: It, What was really fun for me to read this book is that I actually have like a half written small town romance because this is not small town too. I should point out this takes Mm -hmm. place in Chicago. Um, b- correct. It is, it is yes. in Chicago, right? Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to double check that I had that right. Um, cause God knows I had the sweet part, all sorts of wrong. <laughs> um, so, so I, I have a small town that, um, that revolves around like the sort of fake dating trope, but it also features, um, reality tv and that sort of home and garden you know like the home tv renovation shows Mm -hmm. so i was like this was like super fun because this is like completely different from the one that i'm writing but it was super fun for me to read and to sort of see your take on it um and how you were and and how you were positioning the the characters and the and why they were faking it and how they were faking it and you know what they did to fake it which i thought was really pretty neat
0: yeah. And just for me, as a reader and writer, there needs to be some kind of compelling reason why these people are willing to fake a relationship. And then just for show, so Luke and Audrey, the main characters, their airplane meet cute goes viral, which they really are not expecting. I mean, who does expect to go viral? But Luke has a home renovation TV show and his producers see the numbers this tweet is doing. And they're like, the ratings for your show are higher than they ever are. You have to keep posting about this woman. And he's like, uh, I'm not dating her. <laughs> <And> so that <laughs> when they run into each other again, that's kind of what prompts him to be like, you know, my producers basically gave me an ultimatum. They want me to keep posting about you. And in exchange, they're going to pick up the show that I'm in Chicago right now to film. Cause he's in town to film the pilot of a new renovation show. And Audrey is in a really toxic day job, and she's desperate to get out of it. She's always wanted to be a photographer and start her own photography business. And she sees this fake dating as an opportunity for herself. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this tweet's getting a whole bunch of attention. I can leverage this to try to get my photography business off the ground.
1: Yeah, and then and then off they go, which was yes. really really great. I'm curious, where did you get the idea for this?
0: So, I got the idea from a tweet that I saw a couple years ago now. And it was from an athlete and he had met a woman on a plane. They'd really hit it off and he lost track of her in the airport. And oh, the reason Yeah and God. the reason I didn't choose to write an athlete hero for this book for just for show is because that hockey romance I was talking about that took me several years to write had two athlete main characters and I was just burned out on writing athletes. I'm like, I can't do it anymore. So I was brainstorming with a friend and I knew that I didn't want to do an actor or a musician. And my friend said, you love HGTV. What about an HGTV guy? And oh. it's just like, that was like lightning in a bottle for me. <laughs> and that's how this book kind of came about.
1: It's so funny because it's kind of like hiding in plain sight. Like, right? Yeah. Like sometimes your ideas, because it's, it's like, okay, you, you know, you watch HGTV, you watch a ton of it. I guess, uh, Mm -hmm. according to your friend. And it's sort of, and you're like, oh, I don't know what character, like what this character's job should be. And it's like, whoa. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And immediately I could see like a fake dating scenario coming out of an airplane meet cute. Like what if it goes viral? Like one thing that Lisa Krohn talks about in Story Genius is playing that what if game like, what if this happens? Or what if these two people who are on an airplane have their meet cute go viral? What if they decide to fake date? So that's kind of where story genius came in with us, too, and helping me think of ideas. And,
1: and you kept going through the what ifs, which yes. is so <laughs> fantastic. And it just kind of you can see it sort of spiraling mm-hmm. as you're reading the book, which is really, yeah. really cool. Um. So, OK, I'm curious with the, with the hockey, the hockey one, mm-hmm. I'm going to jump back there for a second. Um. Was that steamy or sweet?
0: Steamy. I don't think that I can ever write sweet. I mean, I have a lot of respect for anybody who writes whatever heat level they want. You know, I don't think anybody has to write steamy if they don't want to. But for me personally, I like writing steamy. So I don't think I'd ever do sweet romance.
1: Um, Can I ask you what you like about it?
0: Oh, what I like about it. I mean, I just like the physical intimacy between characters and I like seeing how that physical intimacy can tie into their emotions too Mm
1: -hmm. right right I mean I think I think the the sweet thing is just a whole different thing really like and Mm -hmm. and being able to build that without the physical part but I do know for me too I don't know that the physical part of things is just so often part of an adult relationship yes that you have to kind of push that forward Mm-hmm. So, what was it like writing your very first one?
0: Well, I've actually been writing steamy scenes for a long time because I started out writing fanfic. Oh, in my right. Because fanfic.
1: Yeah. yeah that's, a, that's, a, that's a little naughty. Yes.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, I was like, what, like 16, 17 years old? <laughs> I was kind of, <laughs> I had no life experience. I was kind of hesitant. I was writing these scenes like in secret on my laptop in my bedroom. Um, yeah, I really didn't know what I was doing. I was kind of using and I wasn't plagiarizing. I mean, god no, but like I was kind of using like how other fanfic writers were pacing these scenes and writing those scenes to um give me some inspiration. Just like I said I did not know what I was doing at that point in time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> was it was it sort of did you have any like I don't know, any any did did it did you feel a certain – like, when you were writing, were you like, oh, I don't know if I can write this? Or did it just come completely natural to do it?
0: You know, at first, I kind of felt like I don't think that I can do this. But as I continued to write, it just came naturally to me.
1: Okay. So by the time you got to actually writing a novel, was it just like, yeah, fine?
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, my
1: God. That's really amazing because, I I mean, do you – as you're writing, because, you know, you get into a rhythm when you're writing, right? Like, you can pretty much you pretty much go. And I can pretty much go at a clip. And then when I get to that intimate moment, I don't know what happens, but I slow way down. Are you able to continue, like, just just like a regular, like, it's any other scene? Or are, or do you find that you're either speeding up, maybe you're speeding up, maybe you're slowing down? Like, where, in terms of, like, your writing, where does that land?
0: For me, I think it's just like any other scene. I enjoy writing them. I think of steamy scenes, intimate scenes as free words almost because they come really easily to me. Mm. Um, A lot of the time I'll have thought about them well in advance because I look forward to writing them.
1: Oh, tell me more.
0: (laughs) So like first, when I know that a steamy scene is coming up, first I think about Okay, like, how am I going to get them to the bedroom or wherever they're going to have sex? Like, what is the build-up to the scene? What happens to get them to this point? And then I start thinking about the physical things, like blocking the scene, how it's going to progress, and what's going to happen. And then usually I'll go back in and I'll layer the emotional stuff and internal thoughts after I write the physical part. But when I sit down to write one of these scenes, I just kind of go into this state where like, (laughs) like the words are just flowing. I'm not really thinking about like, somebody's going to read this someday. It's just, I'm just going to make this really hot. And I'm not going to worry about the emotional stuff because I can go back and add that in later.
1: Okay, yeah, I definitely do. It's sort of like a whole layering process that is definitely like part of mine, but for whatever reason, it's just like, I just slow way down, mm-hmm. um, you know? And so you actually do do the blocking bits, which is yeah. really kind of cool to, to hear. Um, so what do you think makes an intimate scene good? What do you mm-hmm. want to read? What do you, let's let approach this first as a reader. Like, what do you want to read when you're reading an intimate scene? So,
0: thing? as a reader, I want to see both the emotional and physical connection between the characters. Um, I don't want something that's just, like, insert tab A into slot B. I mean, there's a place for that, but, like, that's just not my preference, I think, as a reader or a writer. I, I want descriptions of what's going on and how it makes them feel. Physically and emotionally, I want to see how even the smallest touch or the smallest look or something somebody could whisper can heighten things in that moment.
1: Okay, and but and and for, and what about with readers? What what do you want your readers to sort of take away from when they read yours?
0: I think what I want my readers to take away is seeing that connection between the character. Like I was saying. As a reader, I like seeing that emotional and physical connection between the characters. And I think that's what I want my readers to take away, too. Like, yeah, this is really hot, but I can also see these characters growing closer over the course of this scene. That these characters are different at the end of the scene than they were at the beginning of it. Right.
1: I'm curious, do you have, like, do, do you have, like, a an idea? Like, you're, like, okay, in each book I will have three intimate scenes or four, four intimate scenes or two intimate – like, do you have a number – do you put a number on it or it's just wherever the story takes you?
0: It's just wherever the story takes me. Like, the hockey romance that I wrote had two intimate scenes and maybe one was alluded to. It, there wasn't really any description.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But for this book, for just for show, I – let the characters dictate it. I mean, these two, Audrey and Luke, they have a ton of chemistry. Yeah. And for me, I just thought they're going to be having sex as much as they possibly can. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, so I, it just ended up being three scenes.
1: Okay. All right. Yeah. And I, the other thing that I think is so so fascinating that I don't know that I've ever really talked about um, with any of the other writers on the show is writing in the third person versus writing in the first person. And you do it, you do third person and Mm -hmm. you really get into their heads.
0: Oh, I'm really glad to hear you say that because when I first started writing romance, that was something I actually really struggled with. And I don't just mean in the context of steamy scenes, just in general, like deep POV was something I struggled with. And that was something that I really tried to work on between that first manuscript and writing just for show. So it it means a lot to hear you say that I did a good job. Oh, you did. (laughs)
1: So was your first one done in that third person as well? Yeah. Okay, so it was. Would you ever write first person?
0: I'm open to it. I think that my voice naturally... Is a third person past tense kind of voice, but oh. I would not roll out writing first person.
1: Okay, all right, because I struggle with the third. Like I, I've done some stuff, like I've started stuff in third person, and then I'm like, no, this isn't <laughs> working, and oh my god, no. try and changing, changing your. <laughs>
0: That's hard. Changing
1: is hard. You know, I'm like, oh, I got to change it all to first person. And then I'm like, oh, you know, um, Mm -hmm. but but I'm always kind of curious with people that do write in third person. And I know readers, some readers love third person, won't read first person. Some readers love first person, won't read third person. It's like it's such a it's such a personal preference. Mm -hmm. you know, that I I always think it's really interesting and I'm starting to pay like more attention to who's writing in third, who's writing in first. I can read either one. I honestly don't have a preference, but to actually write it, I really need to be in first.
0: Yeah, I will read um, first um, or or third person. It doesn't matter if it's present tense or past tense, but yeah, I don't know, just I kind of gravitate toward that third person just because that's most of what I read is in third person.
1: Right. So I'm curious, who are you reading right now or what are you reading right now?
0: So what I'm reading right now is a romance that just came out um, as of the time of this recording. It came out on January 1st and it's called Digging Up Love. It's by Chandra Bloomberg. She's also a debut author. And it's about a baker and a paleontologist. And this baker lives in a small town in Illinois and she lives with her grandparents, and a dinosaur bone is found in her grandparents' backyard. And so in comes this sexy paleontologist from Chicago, and they kind of develop this really cool, like, texting friendship when he first comes to see the dinosaur bone in the backyard. And then when he comes back a few months later for the actual Digging up of the bones, um, that's when their romance really starts. And I haven't gotten super far into the book. I think I'm about halfway through. Um, so I don't think it's steamy. Okay, um, it that seems sounds like a, There's there's a lot of chemistry between the characters, um, but it seems to me like it's a, a little bit on the sweeter side.
1: Okay, but what a fun setup! A paleontologist. Who yeah, knew? It's, it's really
0: new. well. It's really well written. It's really unique setup. Um, I'm enjoying it a lot. She's a great writer.
1: That sounds really cool. Um, I'm going to have to take a look at that. Digging up love. That sounds like a super fun one. Um, I have, you know, I had another question for you and then it just kind of like flew right out of my head. <laughs> my God. Um, I love it when that happens. Um, all right. So while I think about it, why don't we dig into your intimate scene? Um, okay. Yeah. So uh, can you set this up for us? Where are we in the book?
0: Um so this scene happens about halfway through a little after the halfway point um it's right after Luke and Audrey have what's their first real date they've had a whole bunch of fake dates up to this point but this one he invites her out it's just the two of them nothing to do with the fake relationship or taking pictures for instagram and he invites her to this photography-themed bar, and that is an actual place in Chicago. Very cool. um, she, And because she's a photographer, he knows that she's going to love it. And he was kind of picturing like, oh, there's going to be photo booths and old cameras and stuff. But it's actually this really intimate place with mood lighting and candles on the table. And the photography theme is more in the names of the drinks and some of the art on the walls. So it's really a lot more different than he's expecting. and and, like she shows up looking amazing and she's obviously touched that he brought her here and like during their time there there's a lot of tension between them like a lot of little touches and long stares and they both kind of come to the realization over the course of this evening that they want to give into this attraction that's been brewing between them for weeks and suddenly things don't feel so fake anymore
1: okay um, okay, cool. I just remembered what I was going to ask you, but we will ask that after. Okay. Okay, <laughs> um, Okay. I'm just going to jump right in. I've been dying to kiss you all night, he said. Her heartbeat stumbled over itself. So kiss me. He lowered his mouth to hers, giving her a kiss so sweet and slow it made her legs shake. When she opened her lips to him, she tasted cinnamon and chocolate, anticipation and desire. She shivered, pressing herself against him and clutched at his shirt. Okay. So I was like, that's like such a little bit, but I, and I really don't know why, but I loved it so much. Like just that little, little tiny bit felt super intimate to me just Mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, and I'm kind of wondering because I haven't gotten to this point yet in the book. I'm a very slow reader. Um, and I'm curious, leading up to this i mean obviously they they feel their attraction like like she's attracted to him even though she's denying it he's attracted to her even though he's kind of like denying it or saying you know or he's not they're not really denying it but they're just like i don't have time for this shit like yeah. that's kind of their feeling is arms length this is their first real date so clearly they're kind of giving in at this point or have they given have they given in before and now they're trying
0: well they've kissed before that this is the first time they're really giving in to taking it beyond kisses to taking it to another level.
1: And they're, they've, they've had the real kiss as because well, they've been kissing, but it's not e- the real kissing.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's not real kissing. It's kind of, well, well, I'm trying to think because, you know, I haven't read my book in a long time. Ah! But, um, <laughs> but i think at this point they have had one real kiss they've had an only one bed moment by this point um but i want to say that this scene that you just read is one of their their first real kiss like beyond like like the kind of fake kiss and then they did have a real kiss after their fake kiss but you know, they kind of had a fight after that. So this is the first time that they are actually like giving in and like they're kissing and they are really enjoying it and okay. not thinking about this has to stay fake. Right.
1: Cause even though like when you have that attraction between characters and even though it is a, they're, they're doing the fake kiss as someone who did write, um, you know, a, a fake dating romance. Um, they have the fake kisses, but there's always an undercurrent of this is real. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you know, so that so that there is there is that, okay, we're just doing it for the cameras, but then it's like, but really we're not. Um, (laughs) Which I kind of love that, you know, that sort of undercurrent. Okay, I'm gonna keep going. Um, now we've already had the we've had the kiss um, we're in the bedroom now we're just jumping let me just make sure I didn't miss anything yeah we're jumping into the bedroom now they've had really cute moment where there's like you know parking in a city is very difficult yeah parking and, in a
0: city they need to go buy condoms yeah.
1: <laughs> which I thought was great because I was like oh yeah parking in a city is not that easy they're going to have to like you know they have this yeah. this hot like we're going back to your place and then it's like mm, we can't find parking and we need condoms and you know and so you kind of wonder like okay is this gonna is this the the water that's gonna be doused on the flames but no Mm -hmm. it's not spoiler alert
0: yeah
1: (laughs) okay so now we're into the apartment he moved her skirt up a little more his hand sliding along her skin her breath caught in her throat i like that she whispered yeah he moved his hand higher his fingers dancing upward closer to the juncture of her thighs what about this if he slid his fingers inside her Her brain short-circuited at the thought. His thumb swept along her inner thigh, dangerously close to where she wanted him. Sparks flew across her skin. I like that, too. (laughs) How do you want me to touch you, Audrey? He pressed a kiss to the side of her neck. How can I make you feel good? She shifted in his lap. Through his jeans, she could feel how hard he was. Want scorched through her, out of control and in need of release. Has she ever wanted someone this much? When she rocked her hips forward seeking some relief for herself. He groaned. Tell me, he said, his voice strained. I want you to keep moving your hand until it's between my legs. And then I want you to use your fingers to make me come. Warmth spread from her cheeks down to her chest. She'd never talk like this with anyone, but she could with him. She took a deep breath before she said the next thing. And get me ready for your cock. Fuck. All right. This was some energy right here. (coughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, I want I want to talk about writing this. Like, why was it important to you as the writer, and really to him as the hero? Um, and it could be the same reason uh, for her to vocalize what she wanted.
0: That is a really good question. Um, I think for me, when I'm writing, and also when I'm reading, if there's a woman in the scene, I want to see her getting pleasure. And especially if it's a scene with a guy, I want him to be invested in giving her that pleasure, making her feel good. So that's why it was really important for me, for him to be like, tell me what you want and for her to tell him and vocalize and also like take an active role and not just like take whatever he's giving her, like say like, this is what I need right now in this moment. Right.
1: Do you, are you, cause I mean, obviously we're looking, we're, we're looking at this kind of like through Audrey's point of view. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you reverse that and write your yeah. scenes through the male point of view as well?
0: Yeah. So this particular scene, so he makes her come. spoiler alert. Um, and after that, it shifts to his point of view Okay, Um, when the sex scene progresses further it it shifts to him
1: does that change in terms in terms of your writing like uh, do you struggle more with one than the other or again is it all just the same
0: um I don't know that it's the same and I don't particularly struggle with it but shifting to the male point of view I think that I don't know I don't want to like generalize anything to gender because I don't think that's cool but like a lot of the time from a male perspective I think he's going to notice more physical things mm-hmm. Um whereas in her perspective yeah there is a focus on the physical thing but there's also the emotional part and kind of more internal thought like she has that thought like she's never spoken like that to anybody before mm-hmm. whereas in his point of view yeah he is kind of thinking about how he feels but it's focused a little bit more on the physical aspect
1: right like maybe the feelings are a little bit more i I don't know if this is i don't know if this is even possible but the feelings are more physical or you get your feelings out through the physicality i get i don't know but i get i totally get what you're saying i absolutely Mm -hmm. get what you're saying um all right this is just like the shortest little bit but i i was like oh my god this is so cute okay could she spend the rest of the night touching his muscles probably There were a lot of them. I nearly fell over. I was like, that was so goddamn cute. Like I loved it. <laughs> I absolutely love the way like you're like that is describing what he looks like without describing yeah. what he looks like. You know, which mm-hmm. I thought was like, oh, that's such a great way to sort of say he's muscular, but of course he's muscular. Yeah. He's like you know, he's a contractor, like he lifts heavy yeah. things all day for his job. But I thought that was so cute. I really love that. Okay. <laughs>
0: I'm glad you like that. I, I that was just one of those things that came out as I was writing and I'm like, Yeah, she would have that thought. I'm keeping it. In there. Mm-hmm
1: yeah you know it's so funny because these are the things right where like you there's a little I don't know from like when I write stuff like that when something like that comes out for a minute like it, it really is hard to know whether or not you should keep that in right mm-hmm. like the, just yeah. those little almost like little asides um, and you know, I know sometimes like I throw them into like my journalism work and my editor, I'll just be like, red line through it. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> because like, <laughs> I guess mm-hmm. we're not allowed to show a lot of personality in right. journalism. Um, whereas you can, so it's like, you know, it's weird to sort of like throw these little sides in there and, and be okay with not redlining them because I love them, but I know that sometimes it's like, it's like, it's a, it's a bit of a gamble to put it in, you know? Yeah. I
0: love them, too, so I'm glad that I got to keep that in there. All
1: right, moving on. Once they'd gotten the dress over her head, she tossed it aside. Her bra came next and joined the other clothes on the floor. Luke had the same problem with her breasts that she had with his cock, staring slack-jawed like they were the best things he'd ever seen. She couldn't blame him. They were pretty great. (laughs) (laughs)
0: it's just another little humorous aside but like she she likes her body um she's a curvier heroine um you know she has bigger boobs and and she really likes them and she likes that he appreciates them (laughs) yeah it was really funny I actually just um
1: no not just it's been a while now but I wrote a uh novella for an anthology and I was given feedback um about making the main character proud of her boobs and it was like the <laughs> the actual the notes that i got was like well why don't you have her because she was like rejected by this boyfriend who turns into a demon it's a whole it's a whole urban fantasy paranormal thing so <laughs> so, <laughs> so bear with me um so her, her boyfriend that was like taken over by a demon um and so she he rejects her sexually and she's like pretty miffed about it and he's and, and I got this note that was like, have her walk out with her boobs forward, like boobs forward. Cause she's like really proud of her boobs. She's got great boobs. And I was like, all right. And so I was like, well, okay. Um, and it was surprisingly hard to do. And I really resisted it, but I think ultimately it worked really well. And I was actually really glad for that note.
0: Yeah. That's awesome that, you know, your editor kind of pushed you in that direction.
1: Yeah. Cause I, and like, so seeing you wrote that and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. And I really did like it. And I really did like that. It was like, I think, I think, and I think this is, I don't know if this is a, I, I, I do feel like this is a gendered thing where women are sort of raised with so much shame around their body. Yeah. And so much to hate. Like there's always so much to hate or, you know, like we, we love big, like we love big boobs when we're older, but if you develop too young, those big boobs are also like uh, you're, you're carrying shame along with the big boobs. You know, so, so I think that, I, I think that it's not surprising that I had this resistance to it because culturally that's what I had been brought up to have all of this like discomfort around bodies and not be proud. Of the body of it, you know? Do you know that? You know Yeah,
0: I'm. I am kind of in the same boat. Yeah. Um, I I have a bigger chest. You know, like developing early, you do feel a lot of shame about it, and I think it's just as you get older and you kind of undo that sort of thinking that's been ingrained into you culturally. Um, only then can you maybe start to appreciate your body more.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I. And I think. You know, I mean, romance novels will save the world, right? I think, yeah, <laughs> I think having a place where we do celebrate these—just not even celebrate our flaws, right? Because I think that that's an awful thing. Like, not in in theory is great, but I think that when you just calling it flaws in and of itself is not a celebratory thing, right? But it's yeah. like just celebrating our bodies and sort of saying hey, my boobs, they're awesome. Um, yeah. You know, I think, <laughs> I think there's something really empowering and really important about saying that in a book.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, I think one of the reasons why Bet Me by Jennifer Cruzy, just to go back to your earlier question, why that book resonated with me a lot, besides it being funny and cute um you know and just really fun to read was it did have a curvy heroine and as somebody who's always been on the curvier side it meant a lot to me to see a woman who was kind of shaped like me i guess see her in a book and see her be worthy of love and have this guy be super attracted to her just the way that she was because during bet me um, Min, the female main character, her mom is constantly trying to get her to go on a diet and she really doesn't want to. I mean, she does have some hangups about her body, but um, she's trying, she's on this journey to really, I don't want to use the, say, come to terms, but to really love her body the way that it is.
1: Right. And I think at every turn, and I think that this has, in a way, really nothing to do with, with size, right? Like, I just right. think, like, because I think that you can be like super skinny and have all of these hang-ups because culture, yeah, exactly. Everybody is commenting on our physical appearance.
0: Mm-hmm. It
1: whether you're, you know, and and this is from a very young age. You know, I, you know, girls are always being like, "You're so pretty." Or that's not pretty. Like if you do something a yeah. little like ridiculous when you're, you know, a young girl and you get that sort of, well, that's not pretty behavior. And it's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and I tried so hard when I was raising my daughter, never to use that word pretty with her because yeah. I, I, like, I feel like that is so loaded.
0: Yeah. I, I agree with that.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, you know, so once again, everybody who's probably listening to this podcast, they already know this.
0: Romance is feminist. Yeah. Um. (laughs) and I think what we're seeing more of now is we are seeing all types of bodies celebrated in romance and seeing a lot of body positivity. Yeah, And I just think that is so important because, you know, like, bet me with the curvy heroin. If I had read some of these books that are coming out right now when I was younger, I can't even imagine, like, how that would touch me and like, what a big difference that would make in my life. Like when I was in my teens and early twenties.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, and I think, I think at any point to sort of be able to look at, you know, whether your boobs are, are big or flat chested or like, you know, or hips or whatever, like you have hips or you don't have hips or whatever it is to just sort of, have that, you know, be content or be feel Mm -hmm. safe, feel safe in the body that you exist in. Right. I think that that's kind of like what we all, what we all want is that we want to feel safe in the body that we exist in. And, and I think that that's where, you know, what we're, what a lot of romance novels, especially now are definitely doing. You know, and that goes from not only, you know, whether you're curvy or not curvy, but I also think it has to do with, um, you know, how you see your gender, how you see, you you know, like all of these things, like, you know, and, and sort of being able to see yourself reflected in these characters is super important and not only reflected, but accepted. Yeah. You know,
0: And, and I also think we want to see ourselves like, like whatever your body is like, or whatever kind of romance you're reading or whatever kind of body type the characters have in the book you yes. want to see that person being loved and accepted and even desired for the body that they have and not mm-hmm. being ashamed of it and not feeling like they have to change it
1: yeah absolutely
0: oh my god oh we're gonna save the world we're gonna... <laughs> <laughs> all
1: right one more bet. and i promise you i've been like pulling like like the tamest things because i'm just like this
0: is so cute
1: <laughs> we're getting dirty hang okay. on <laughs> for the ones that listen that are only listening for the naughty bits here we go <clears throat> okay yeah I, we we have the word pussy in here which like i was like wait you can't say that this is a sweet romance <laughs> I, it's not, sweet. It's not a sweet romance okay he licked her pussy his tongue working some kind of magic that had her trembling when he took her clit into his mouth she gasped her back arching off the bed too good so good. It was on the edge of painful. She couldn't take it. Sliding her fingers into his hair, she tugged on the strands and forced him to look up. Wait, she said, I can't. He immediately stopped moving up her body until they were face to face. Everything okay? Yeah, that was just, she trailed off, her fingers sliding through his hair again. That was a little too much. We can stop. She shook her head. I don't want to stop. She'd waited way too long for this wanted him way too much, and there were other things they could do. She lowered her voice to a whisper and spoke into his ear. If you want to go down on me, you have to start with that. He shivered at the press of her lips to his skin. When he pulled back to meet her eyes, the desire in his gaze sent a new rush of heat through her. Yeah, I'll have to keep that in mind for next time. She grinned. Next time. She moved her hands over his shoulders and down his back, Over smooth skin and muscles, relishing the feel of him, he kissed her neck and across her collarbone. What's going to make you feel good right now? She writhed underneath him, pressing against the hard length of him. Right now, I'd really like it if you fucked me. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I absolutely loved that you stopped them. Like they were, he was going for that oral and you were like, boom, no, she's saying, no, this isn't working for me right now. Why was this important for you to do this? Especially during Um, their first intimate connection, right?
0: I think it kind of goes back to what I was talking about before with him really caring about what feels good for her and how he can bring her pleasure. And yeah, this feels good for her, but it's also a little bit too much. And I wanted her to vocalize that, and I wanted him to listen to her. It was really important to me in that moment, just like before when he was asking her what she wanted, that he listened to her and understand, like, okay, this isn't working for her right now, if it can work for her in another context, but she needs something else right now to feel good. Right.
1: He's such a great hero.
0: I'm so glad. A lot of people have said that to me that he's just a really good guy, and yeah, he is. I love writing Luke a lot. Like he's, he's just a good man.
1: He really is. So I'm curious. Are you, this was the question I lost in my head before. Are you sort of like do you, do you do you tend towards more of the cinnamon rolls or are you the alpha? Like where do you fall with that alpha hero cinnamon roll? Like where do you go? I...
0: I do not like alpha heroes. I don't know that I would call Luke a cinnamon roll. I mean, to me, he's just he's just kind of a good dude, you know? I mean, I guess he does have a little kind of cinnamon roll. Oh, I don't know. To me, but... I was like, he's so cinnamon roll. Yeah. Like, I was like, I just want to cuddle up with him on the yeah. couch. You know, like, he's like, he's a great hero. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he's, I, I don't think I can do an alpha. Just guys like that are a complete turn off for me. Like, I want... To write about good dudes, you know, who, who are not assholes. Yeah.
1: Do you read any with alphas? Or are you just no. like, when you read it, you're like, nah, not for me. It,
0: it is a complete and total turnoff for me. Okay. Yeah, I right. can't really read it.
1: I love to read it. I, I actually really love to read alpha heroes even though i'm like fuck you yeah Yeah, i'm like like reading it i'll be like yeah fuck you let me keep going um Mm -hmm. but but at this but i do struggle with writing them i mean like i have some alpha e guys and um but i never like they're not alpha alphas like you know because i
0: don't know that i can't
1: quite get myself there to kind of like write a true alpha right yeah
0: and i understand that it's kind of hard to just go for it and I guess write a guy who's a dick but like, yeah <laughs> I know. know and yeah. you know
1: even though I kind of know I think I think it's like and this is a me thing and this is like a thing that I'm like you got to get over because this you are not your, your heroines right like I'm just like I would never put a
0: that shit you know I wouldn't either I'd be like the door is right there goodbye yeah
1: (laughs) there's the door yeah but you know but like my 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 character this character this particular character might. you know and Mm -hmm. it's like I think that's a thing that I'm like I'm actively trying to get over because I'm like yeah I don't know I don't know if I can write that um because honestly (laughs) I love reading them and I actually really would like to um, you know, and in fact, I'm actually really hoping, and so just putting it out there, if you write Dubcon, please get in touch, um, because this is uh, something that I would love to talk about um, more, um, because it's not something that I really read, again, because it's just my comfort level, but I think that there's a lot to talk about with it, um, so it's something that I would love to talk about. Um, but you don't write Dubcon, you write Sweet Romance, it's a little spicy. Um <laughs> It's a lot sweet. No, she doesn't write sweet romance, guys. No, this is not
0: sweet. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's contemporary with, I would say, I don't know. I've had this conversation with some friends, like, do I write high heat? Um, I would say it's more like medium high heat. Like, as you can tell from those passages, like, yeah, I'm using different words and and describing different acts and stuff like that so uh, yeah I would say like medium high
1: yeah I I think so I mean I don't know heat level is so weird to me it is yeah I think I'm like I write spicy and on my last my book that's coming out like I you know some uh an arc reader has like you know three out of five chili peppers and a goodreads review and i was like but can't it be a five i thought i wrote i'm just like i guess i guess you're not that spicy and i'm like okay Mm -hmm. so what do i have to do to get a five for the spice level
0: (laughs) 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 no idea yeah it's it's so subjective like what is three chili peppers to one person is five to another or, or vice versa exactly because
1: yeah. this whole time I'm like you're writing five maybe four and yeah. it's like no you're <laughs> writing three and I'm like oh <laughs> it, was, it was a bit of a disappointment <laughs> <laughs> um I have a question do you have any idea what happened to that the sports guy on twitter that had that sort of airport misconnection
0: I do not I'm, got, yeah. I'm
1: curious. I feel like that story loop has been left open and I'm very curious if I he know. found his uh, his mate there.
0: Yeah. He, you know, over the past couple of years, because it has been a while since that tweet happened, I've Googled him. Um, I think he was a player for the Baltimore Ravens and didn't find anything besides like a whole bunch of articles about the original tweet, but it would be Uh, awesome if he did end up reconnecting with her
1: and they fell in love. I kind of love those sort of like misconnections. It was a thing in New York for what there was, um, I can't remember now where misconnections showed up. It was
0: on Craigslist.
1: It was on Craigslist. Yeah. Yeah. And the misconnections in New York were always so great. I mean, obviously I live there, so I was like reading it, but they were always so great. And it was always like you on the subway whizzing past 14th street I on the opposite train and I'm like isn't that wild that you can like pass on a subway and like so quick and you just are like I think I just saw my soulmate right yeah (laughs) and I always thought that's kind of amazing when that happens you know I I love that sort of first blush of love I, I think that's why I write romance
0: yeah, I love that, too. I remember reading those misconnections, because I think they were in every city. New York was probably the biggest one. But I remember reading those and just thinking, oh, well, I hope these people meet at some, you know, they had this real connection.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I loved all and I loved how fleeting so many of them were yeah you know because
0: yeah each other yeah yeah
1: like you had that some of it was like our you know our train was stopped underground and we talked for 30 minutes and it felt like five you know or whatever mm-hmm. but then there were some that were just literally so fleeting you dropped your glove and i picked it up and, I fell yeah. up and it was just so cool like there was something really cool about that and i might have to go back to misconnections for another book I'm thinking.
0: Uh- I'm thinking there are a whole lot of plot bunnies and misconnections
1: absolutely Absolutely. But which is not good for me because you know how much I love to throw extra plots in.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I think in many ways, the viral meet cute and just for show is a misconnection because Luke and Audrey hit it off on the plane and he tweets about their connection on the plane, how they shared a cheese plate and it was very cute. Um, he's trying to find her through Twitter. That's true.
1: You have like that social media misconnection thing. That's like the current, the modern day misconnection, right?
0: Yeah. Because in his mind, it's just like, how else am I going to track this woman down? And he does it in this very low stakes way. And he also has this thought, like if she sees this and replies, great, but I'm not going to be a creep and try to track her down or anything like that. And they do end up running into each other naturally a little bit later probably a couple chapters later yeah
1: which i thought was really great because my expectation was somebody was going to see it and say hey did you see this or you know like there was going to be something like like twitter was going to do it and i absolutely loved that it was like they ended up at the same at the same place which was a dog shelter Which was also like,
0: oh, that's so perfect. (laughs) Yeah, because that's for Audrey volunteers. So she has this terrible day job as an event planner. Um, She works at a nonprofit. But... kind of you know we use her photography skills she volunteers at a dog shelter taking pictures of the puppies (laughs) and and Luke is back in town to film this TV show and he is doing a volunteer project to help the shelter build some new meet and greet rooms and that's how they run into each other again I probably have spoiled part of the book now (laughs) it
1: happens so early on though it's probably in the look it's probably like in the look inside on Amazon so like not a total spoiler (laughs) So Julie, congratulations on your first book. Do you have anything else in the hopper? Like what's happening?
0: Um, so my book was a one book deal and I'm not sure what's going to happen next. I did submit a proposal for book two in the series and that stars two of the characters that you'll meet in just her show, Ooh. which is Audrey's friend, Natalie, and Luke's cousin, Aiden. Ooh. And Natalie's is, um, she's a little prickly um, my mom calls her a real piece of work um, <laughs> and Aiden Luke's cousin is, he is a total sweetheart. He's kind of a himbo. So their romance is very much a grumpy sunshine romance where she's the grump and he's the sunshine. And there's also a forced proximity element in there. Cause I love, a forced I proximity, love forced too.
1: proximity. Oh,
0: um, yeah, they kind of have to work on a project together. Um, she's getting her MBA. He's looking to branch out and launch a woodworking business, and she needs to help, like somebody who's starting a business as part of a project for her MBA. And she has also recently purchased a fixer upper that is falling apart, and so he kind of volunteers to remodel her kitchen in exchange for her helping him to launch this business. Oh, super cool. Okay. I have a question. Okay. Do you,
1: cause I, so one of the, well, right now the only romances I have out are rock star romance genre, Mm -hmm. tropey things. So I'm wondering, do do you and I don't read so because of that I try not to read rock star romances for some reason I'm like I if I'm writing it I don't want to read it but um Sarah Whitney has a great book and I can't think of the name of it that has that sort of like this this kind of like okay fix up my house in exchange for this other thing and I if I remember correctly it was a fake relationship I got to remember the title if you're interested I can email you the title but I totally understand if you're like no I can't read that it's too close <laughs>
0: No, I would definitely be interested. I love home renovation romances, but like you with the rock star romances, when I'm drafting something, I don't want to read like a home yeah. renovation romance. I'm just worried that, you know, part yeah. of it will like creep in, you know, yeah. stuff like that.
1: Yeah, you don't want that to leak in. Absolutely. Oh, who? what's your favorite um, home renovation show since you're you're a fan? What should we so, all
0: So I would say I'm more of an HGTV fan in general than, like, a specifically, like, home renovation show person, because my favorite show on that channel is House Hunters, and that is mostly because I like to yell at the people on TV, because they have a lot of weird wants and needs. Like, uh, there was this one, I don't know... They needed a special place for like their lizard in the house, like the lizard needed its own bedroom. And of course, there's always the standby of people who walk into a room and are like, I don't like this paint color, like paint color isn't a thing that can be changed. But yeah, House Hunters is my favorite. I also enjoy House Hunters International too.
1: Oh, very cool. I used to watch a lot when I had cable, a lot of House Hunters International because I was always like, where are we jetting off to?
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's fun. It's also interesting to see these Americans walk into an apartment in Paris Yes. And be somehow like blown away that they're not getting an American style kitchen. I mean, this is Paris. The apartments are small. You're not going to get the American kitchen of your dreams in yeah. Paris. Yeah.
1: And yeah. And also it's amazing to me. I actually really dig watching the ones in Italy. Like those were always like I love for some reason. I don't even want to move to Italy. My husband's like, "Let's move to Italy." And I'm like, "Our
0: forefathers
1: left that country for a reason.
0: Why would you go back?
1: <laughs> right. And yeah. he's like, let's move to Italy. But and I look at the kitchens because let's face it, Italians can really cook. And I ha- you know, I feel like in order for me to cook, I have to have the Viking Pro stove. I, like I need all of this stuff to cook, you know. And they just have like this little shitty stove that like, looks like it's been in there since World War Two, you and know. It and I'm probably has. And it probably has. and they're cooking these like amazing meals. And I'm like, and I'm always like, yeah, you know, it's not the stove. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it yeah. is very interesting to see like what the other homes look like in other place, other countries That's
0: what I like too, and I like the Italian ones because I am. Sounds like you're also Italian. I'm Italian-American. Yeah. So I like seeing that. Um, I also, like I mentioned, Paris. I love the Paris ones. I love the London ones because mm-hmm. there's this real estate agent named Richard, and he is fantastic. And he's also great at very politely kind of putting people in their place and, <laughs> and you know, telling them their expectations are kind of unrealistic.
1: there's um there's a lot of home oh my god we're totally getting off on a tangent i know but there's a lot there's um there's so many there are real estate people now that put up their listings on like youtube and there's a guy named ennis who does it in los angeles and he always tours like these mega mansions and that is like my porn Especially because I write, Los, I write in Los Angeles. I'm writing about celebrities, so like it's great to sort of look at these houses. But that is like literally my porn. I'm like, I need to. I'm, I'm sorry, I need to watch Ennis and I need to look at this house. <laughs>
0: uh, okay, so you definitely need to email me the link to Ennis's videos because <laughs> I don't watch you're the same.
1: You're, you're like, yeah. Yes. okay, okay. He went to yeah. he, he went to the Sierra Nevadas, and I think he also went to Aspen. I died. I'm like, I'm like, when he goes to those places, I'm like, I'm, I'm here for this 100%. Like, I want to see how the other half lives.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I, I think part of what drew me to writing a home renovation romance, besides the fact that I like to watch HGTV is I am just so interested in real estate and what other people's houses look like that like writing this book, Lucas renovating a house, I went on Zillow and I actually found a house that I had in mind for Mm -hmm. him to renovate. And part of that is just because I'm such a visual person. I needed to have like something in mind, but it was just really fun looking at Zillow because that's my idea of a good time is looking at real estate listings.
1: I know Zillow is like my favorite or truly like I'm like, and I constantly get emails from them about houses and places that I don't live. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like like, there is like new listing. And I'm like, yeah, I don't live there. But but I have to like, but it's great. It's really, really great for like figuring out, okay, where, what is the house? What's the apartment look like? What does the house look like? What you know that I'm writing? It's real. it's actually such a great research tool.
0: Yeah, I love it for that. Because like I said, I'm a visual person. I need to know what the inside of that house or apartment looks like. Like that helps me at the way that I'm envisioning the scene, how I'm yeah. blocking the characters, all that kind of stuff. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that's our, that's our, that's what we always have in our back pockets. Zillow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Julie, thank you so much for, for coming and being here. Where can readers find you on the internet? What's the best place? Where do you hang out?
0: So I'm um, at j Hamilton author on Twitter at julie Hamilton author on instagram and my website is juliehamiltonauthor.com easy
1: enough and these will also be in the show notes so julie thank you so much for taking the time it was so great to meet you and congratulations on the book
0: oh thank you so much and thanks for having me on Elle. i really appreciate it
1: i'm still fanning myself from that scene Thanks so much for listening. As always, you can email me, l at lgreco.rocks or find me on Instagram or TikTok at GrecolinaWrites and I'm on Facebook, lgrecoauthor. Greco Author. I love to hear from you with guest suggestions or just to say hi. Joining me next time is Kitty Berry, author and founder of Romanticon. That's the reader convention, which as I mentioned, I will be attending in July. Until next time, stay steamy, my friends.